Hi, I am Ramat and I want to discuss something I have titled When No One Is Looking. This conversation was first posted in article form on my blog, Shades of Us. You can read it and other articles I have written by visiting shadesofus.co.uk. At the end of this podcast, there are ways to reach me if you'd like to discuss this further. So, let's get into it. As long as I can remember, I have always cared about the issues that affect Africa, Africans, and people of African descent, with special focus on how these issues affect women and children. Even as a child in primary school, I can remember expressing anger at people who treated women and children poorly and standing up for the girls in my class. It will not be far-fetched to assume that I was born this way, having what can be described as a gnawing need to lend my voice to women and children's issues. I was probably around 10 years old when I learned about basic human rights and the government's role in protecting them. Without meaning to, that became my Bible and code of conduct. I started creating content from a very young age. I wrote stories and school plays that centered women and children in roles that were not usually associated with their sex or age. These stories became church dramas because for most of my teenage years, I found expression in the church. Granted, most of what I created was quite gruff and had a diamond-in-the-rough kind of feel, but a central theme shone through all my pieces. Women and children were human beings in themselves and needed to be treated with the full respect accorded to them by their basic rights. I remember a play I wrote that was performed in church. It started with the parents of the lead character, a young teen, finding out she was pregnant. Rather than be judgmental, it promoted allowing yourself to be hurt if your child gets pregnant out of wedlock, but loving and supporting the child regardless. It showed that children were themselves overwhelmed by the consequences of their actions and beating them or kicking them out of the house was not the fair way to handle the issue. This play connected so well with people that the way teen pregnancies were handled, a problem that was predominant in the community where the church was situated, became markedly different. It was for this openness that was chosen when I was 14 years old to be part of a peer education capacity building session on complete sexuality education. This opened my mind's eye to the Millennium Development Goals and a world bigger than the things my environment had constrained it to. I began to actively promote these goals because I was, one, unhappy that the world didn't take the eradication of extreme poverty and hunger as seriously as it should, Two, wondering what could be done to achieve universal primary education. Three, sure that I needed to actively promote the idea of gender equality and the need to empower women. Four, broken at the rate of child and maternal mortality and wondering how I could help. Five, hated all discriminatory acts to people living with HIV in a world where it was okay to do so. Six, didn't want anyone to die from malaria and any other disease that could easily be prevented with small lifestyle changes. And seven, I definitely hated that our environment was gradually becoming dirty and unsustainable as a result of poor sanitation due to reduced enforcement of communal environmental protection activities. These issues became my issues. They mattered to me and I wanted to do something about them. 
As I grew from teenager to young adult, I began to refine the areas I was interested in. While I wanted to work in the field to directly help women and children, I knew it was cost-heavy and living on the poverty line myself at that point, I didn't think there was much I could do to help these people. So I chose a path that centered more on creating content that could cause a mind shift in the general public and change behaviors that put women in boxes marked second-class citizens. I continued to write stories and plays for church, making sure to include the women empowerment nuggets in the overall message of the Christian faith. With the advent of social media, I found a bigger outlet for my work, especially as I was questioning faith and removing myself from the church. I began to share my views, my very gruff and many times antagonistic views on my social media platforms. A friend told me about blogs and the possibilities they held for massive and maybe even global reach. So I learned about this new frontier of communication and started my blog, Shades of Us. I continued to evolve as a person, finding more perspectives to human rights and seeking even more succinct ways to communicate my ideas around them. When I heard the word feminist during Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED Talk, We Should All Be Feminist, I knew this was the word that perfectly described exactly who I was and the issues that mattered to me. So here I was, Ramatu Ada Ochekliye, creating content around the Sustainable Development Goals and hoping I could change the world with my words. But, reality check. The world doesn't want to be changed. If the world has its way, it will continue to be patriarchal, misogynistic, and abusive to women and children. It will continue to express hate against people whose sexuality is different from the accepted norm. It will continue to be intolerant of people's rights to association, religion, belief, and dignity. This is why my work and the work of other feminists, human rights activists and advocates and anyone who just believes in the basic rights of human beings around the world can be really tasking. Nobody tells you that it is easier to maintain the status quo, as oppressive as it is, than it is changing anything. And because of this, many activists suffered the painful burnout that comes with wondering if your work even means anything. Oh, there are many reasons to keep fighting, but each win seems like taking only a little droplet out of the vast ocean that is patriarchy, its tool of enforcement, misogyny, and the chains of inequality that continues to repeat the circle of abuse and dominance. I've had to really look at my work in the last few years. A cursory look at my blog and you can tell that my favor started to wane in 2017 and hasn't really picked up since. I went from writing a new article almost every day to barely writing anything in months. A lot of it is because I am genuinely tired and burned out. It seems I am writing about the very same things all the time with little or no impact. Abuse is still the order of the day every day but that's not the only reason why i am tired there is some selfishness to it you see when i started expressing my thoughts i used to have these friends on social media who could read my work and echo my thoughts they would share across their social media platforms and ask that we treat people better 
But as my thoughts became even more clearly defined, I believe many people began to be put off by the continued request to respect women and children's rights. They didn't understand why I was always talking about one form of abuse or the other, or why women and men should be treated equally, or why women should make their own choices, or any other direction around these issues that I talked about. I think most people assumed my favor was youthful exuberance and I would eventually burn out and conform to the accepted norms. When it was the opposite that seemed to be the case, I think that made them begin to ignore me if they could not control me. As a result, the interactions and engagements on my blog and other social media platforms began to dwindle. Add that to the changing algorithms across these social media platforms and I began to barely bring in any impressions, views or engagements. This took a big chunk out of my heart. It was at this moment that I realized that as much as I cared about these issues, I also had a complex. I sought validation from how many people connected to my work. As Beyonce said, I am sensitive about my work. Yeah. Anyway, I centered myself in my work and I wanted to be loved for my activism. This is fine. But it takes me back to 2016 when I had a conversation with myself. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on one of my other articles called um, Seeking Validation Outside Myself. So in that year, I asked myself, would your work matter if no one was looking? If no one cared about it? If no one interacted with it? If no one engaged with it? I remember the enthusiasm I used in answering in the affirmative. In Sheldon Cooper's voice, oh, what a dewy-eyed moon calf I was. Truth is, activism or even advocacy is hard and an almost thankless work. The change we can make is usually minuscule when we work as individuals. And even in a group, we aren't always assured of impactful change. What no one tells you is that activism takes a toll on your physical, mental, and financial health. And while doing all these, you still have to navigate finding yourself in the world outside of your activism. It really does take its toll on you. I want a world where women continue to advocate for a more equal world, where we have more allies than we do enemies, and where we can advocate for causes without worrying about the adverse effect on our health and well-being. But that is idealistic. I guess having witnessed the burnout that comes from lending my voice to the causes I care about and watching myself self-worth take a nosedive because I was seeking validation outside of myself, I'm ready to ask myself this question again and answer with more realism. Rama 2, would your work matter if no one was looking, if no one cared about it, if no one interacted with it, and if no one engaged with it? And I'll do one more because it is a reality that sometimes your work would not connect to people at all. So again, Rama 2, would your work matter when no one is looking? when no one cares about it, when no one interacts with it, and when no one engages with it. After a very deep sigh and introspection that has taken me a few months, I will still say yes. Starting from me and why it matters to me, my work matters because it is my self-expression and contribution to the world. I believe this with all of me. It matters, right? Secondly, stories matter. 
representation matter. But beyond me, the stories I tell matter. If one woman, just one woman is empowered by my story to live as she would rather than as she's expected to, then I would have achieved my goal. If one child becomes more tolerant than the society they live in permit, then I would have won. For that woman and for that child, I will continue to tell my stories. If they find me, great. If they don't, I would rest in the fact that I contributed to making these stories available for when they do seek illumination. But I will no longer beat myself up as I have done all this while. I will always be sensitive about my work. That goes without saying. There are days I may still feel like it doesn't matter and as a result that I don't matter. When that happens, I would unplug straight up and seek a renewal of my spirit and my soul until I can get back to fighting. This is, after all, a lifelong battle. And then some. I have come to the end of this podcast what do you think share your comments below or via the numerous platforms that will be mentioned in the closing credits it's hugs and kisses from ramat bye that's a wrap on today's podcast like us on facebook and linkedin at shades of us or you could follow us on twitter and instagram at shades of us media Tell us any song, album, movie, or series you think will make for a great review by sending an email to shadesofusafrica at gmail.com or a WhatsApp message to plus 234-905-912-7552. Thanks for listening. Bye.